Good evening, America. How is everyone doing tonight? I hope we are doing fine and dandy and all is well in your neck of the woods. It's definitely well in my neck of the woods. Welcome to uh, the Wednesday edition of The Sea Report, coming to you live and in living color, as some program used to be called back in the 90s. Uh, <clears throat> on this Wednesday, June... 8th, 2022. I was like, what is today's date? I don't know if I could quite remember it. I hope everyone is doing great out there, and I hope you guys are ready for a brand new informational and hopefully somewhat slightly entertaining episode of The Sea Report. What is popping up in the background? <laughs> um, oh, I am your host, Mr. C, otherwise known as Michael Aaron Gossett. It's great to be here with you guys today. And uh, well, I mean, we're really just going to pretty much jump straight into it today, guys. Had a pretty good couple of last sh la previous shows. The last two days, we I think I think we had pretty good shows. I was uh, pretty satisfied with uh, the general feel and outcome of uh, the episode. So. Anyways, guys, uh, if you haven't gone to check them out yet, then, uh, you know, if you're over at the Foxhole, if you're over at Pilled, make sure you check out um, my page there for replays, etc. Um, or you could always go to rumble.com and uh, follow the Mr. CTV channel or page or account or profile, whatever you want to call it. And then that way you can always uh, keep up to date with uh, with what we got going on here at uh, the Sea Report and the other shows that broadcast on Mr. CTV, good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, also, clips are available over at Rumble.com because uh, I only post clips for the show exclusively on Rumble and BitChute. But I'm a little bit behind on BitChute, you know. It's a rather uh, it's it's kind of, sometimes it's a hostile audience over there at BitChute. But you know what? My skin is thick enough to deal with that, I have to say. Uh, you know, because uh, nothing, nothing kills uh, the ugliness of strangers like kindness, I find. Or, you know, at least uh, being level-headed uh, in regards to your response to them. Uh, you know, they just, uh, they don't know what to do with neutral and positive energy, ladies and gentlemen, these negative Nancys that lurk in the bouts every now and then. So yeah, that's usually the best way to approach it, at least for myself. Uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about, obviously. I have to... Um, oh, well, yeah, there will be another channel where I will be posting clips as well, but still, uh, more news on that to come. I'm just going to keep on, like, throwing little, you know, crumbs at you guys about it until we open up the channel. Uh, very excited to be doing it and to be a part of it. So we'll see how it goes, uh, but more as that develops. I'm trying to figure out why my shoulder keeps disappearing. I think that's better. There we go, perfect. Okay, perfect, right? <laughs> okay, all right guys, so a uh, full report ahead of us today. Um, I'm gonna only be on for two hours max, so 9.30 Central Time, gotta bounce. Uh, I'm already here later than I want it to be, uh, but uh, that's all good That's all good and dandy. Have a really full report. Actually, today uh, will be a bit of an international-style report, I think. Uh, maybe some of you guys will appreciate it. Um, but there, there will be still plenty of, uh, you know, things to be said 
in regard to um, uh, relations with the United States of America. I think we can still bring it on back home, even though we're going to have more of an international flair today. We're not going to be going all over the world. Don't worry, I'm not going to take you to uh, South America, to Asia, to Europe, to Africa. That would just be too tiring, folks. Uh, but uh, we will be focusing on two primary areas, right? Um, I would say uh, that deal specifically with uh, our allies against the New World Order. So you could probably already guess what two countries we'll be talking about today. And because uh, there's not many of them, right? There's not many of them out there that are not uh, beholden to globalist uh, futures and uh, New World Order stylings of fascists and um, transhumanists. So uh, with that said, we'll jump right in today. Um, don't have much by way of the, uh, well, what's going on tomorrow with the January 6th thing? Yeah, you know, um, I feel like my audience, if they get their news from nowhere else, is going to be so unprepared for tomorrow. Because, you know, I hardly talk about the J6 unselect committee other than what, you know, President Trump might have to say about it and stuff like that. Uh, but I've never, I have not given like my analysis and in-depth, you know, uh, analytical purview on the entire situation. Because I mean, obviously, obviously uh, the thing is a sham, right? I, I just don't want to give it the time of day that it seeks. Um, you know, it wants to grow in the shadows, but uh, it is, it is what it is. Um, a bit, you know, there, there's no telling what kind of a spin will come out of this, because let's not forget uh, some of the individuals um, who uh, have been sentenced, right? Some of them actually went along with what the J6 committee wanted them to do. I'm guessing to make a deal or I'm guessing to um, to get a lenient sentence or something like that. But uh, some of them were like, I think it didn't 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 the, the shaman guy, the QAnon shaman guy, didn't he like uh, didn't he admit to being guilty of whatever it is they charged him with, you know? Man, I walked right by that guy, too. And I was like, he must be cold. And um, I don't know. He went by too fast for me to flag him down. But I, I was getting a weird vibe off that guy anyways. But I did, I did walk right by that guy. And I was like, wow, he's on TV. <laughs> They've made him an international pop star uh, for conspiracy theorists, right? So anyways, so there's that. And then, of course, you know, um, there are all the other people, not just the ones that were subpoenaed, right? Uh, not just the conservatives or the Trump supporters, etc., or any people who worked with him in his administration, all that stuff. They're the people who were like, I guess, grand juried testified, right? Um, so that I think will be interesting. I think I think um, we may learn some things about certain people. Um based on that testimony that they give, right? I mean, there's one person, there's one individual who comes to mind specifically, um, and that would be Ali Alexander Akbar, um, because he is like a long time, what, like conservative, like little um, uh, panty boy, like prostitute kind of guy, right? Anyways, but like, um, aside from that, you know, oh, he he's also featured on Alex Jones's Infowars quite a bit, right? Like you would think he was second in command there. I mean, uh, Jones usually just eats out of his hand if he's not uh, eating out of his rear. You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Anyways, let's not get off into Alex Jones' La La Land tonight. Uh, maybe we'll do a show on that um, on the weekend sometime. Uh, a reprisal of Jones and his... Um, 
his operations. But anyway, so Ali Alexander Akbar, he gave a testimony. So I'm really interested to know what he said. Um, because, you know, he was the one who claimed to be the organizer of Stop the Steal, right? And he was the one that, you know, did a lot of the stuff there. I mean, he stole the permits to be there, um, from what I understand. But, uh, you know, he's the one who was doing a lot of that organizational stuff. So I think it would be really interesting to see what he had to say. Uh, he's His is the only, uh, you know, character or outside force that I am really aware about who did testify, you know. I was reading this article today, actually, um, that had to do with uh, Laura Logan, right, and also Millie Weaver and um, Patrick Berge. Um, it didn't sound too good. and Oh, and Patrick Byrne as well. It didn't sound too good. It sounded kind of like... It sounded kind of like... Um, well, the, uh, the article featured mostly Patrick Berge. It sounded like in the article that he was saying that uh, Millie Weaver and their outfit kind of like planned all of the stuff that went down between the release of Shadowgate through January 6, 2020. Like, it sounded like he was placing the blame on them for having some part in a conspiracy, you know, uh, to do with the insurrection. So it's going to be interesting, guys. That I mean, that part I know about, but the rest of it... You know, and then, of course, you, what was it, the uh, Proud Boys, right? And and that Ontario or, or tar, Tartario or whatever his name is. Um, yeah, I guess we'll see. So, like I said, if my audience gets no news from uh, anywhere else, <laughs> they're going to be unprepared for tomorrow's hearing since we are going to uh, most likely air it here at the Sea Report uh, on prime time, right? It's going to be like, uh, we're sorry, but your uh, nightly Sea Report has been canceled for these important events, right? <laughs> Dang it. Uh, the stupid J6 unselect committee stepped all over my time slot, right? Anyway, so it should be fun, guys. I'll be really interested to see what everyone in the audience has to say. I'll most likely be hanging out in the chat rooms with you guys for tomorrow so uh we will see uh what's up with that we will see what's up with that oh and i might say the only other thing the only other thing that had crossed my mind about this whole j6 uh trial thing being in prime time right and i'll just say this right just just to get it out there i mean not that it's not that there's any validity to it but you know like of, of course they want uh they want this um this thing to be on prime time because that's when what most people are home. Most people are, you know, available to their TVs. They want maximum potential audience outcome for this event so that they can make sure they shape, you know, they shape their, uh, their reality and program them and stuff like that. Make sure all the good, uh, you know, lemmings have uh, access to the programming they need to move forward in the next week and a half to two weeks or more. And uh, what do you call it? So, you know, I thought, oh, I don't know why this crossed my mind. And I know it's nothing, right? I know it's nothing. But I was like, you know, with all this stupid gun stuff, like just they'll have like, you know, a proud boy there open fire on Congress or something, you know, and then then they'll really take our guns. Anyways, I mean, it's not going to happen, but I don't know why that crossed my mind. I just thought I would share that with you guys. So, all right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into the report. I've got no more time to spur. Um, oh, I can at least spare time enough to say good evening, Relanon. Thank you for the 117 gold pills. Disco Ball Chaser, good to see you again. Thank you for dropping the links, thecreport.com. 
Get all your Mr. C, Mr. C TV, and the C Report needs at thecreport.com. Uh, hello, Angel. Tam growls and the house shepherding shepherd is here as well. Who de-armed Mr. C? <laughs> I know, it's always like, they took my arm. I'm the one-armed man. Anyways, okay. Podcast viewers, my camera's acting funny today. What's up, shepherding shepherd? Good to see ya. Uh, let's see who else is Aurelius Locke is a present and accounted for. Timba Jet, good evening. Good to see you. Skeeterberg, what's up? Skeeterberg says, C's in Pixel sent me. Oh, really? That's awesome. If he did, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know he was a fan of the show. <laughs> awesome. Mm. Let's see here. What else you guys got? So we can jump into, uh, we can jump into the show today. Um, I call bullshit, says Timbajet. Nobody puts out that much effort to make a program like that. And then goes Deep State. Millie is gold. Yeah, you're right. Millie is gold. I am a huge fan of Millie Weaver. I know there's some people who are not, and it's okay. We're all entitled to our own opinions, but, uh, I'm pretty sure that my view on Alex Jones is not an opinion. Okay. I'm pretty sure he is an operative. I'm like 99% sure he's an operative, okay? Like 99.95%, okay? Almost pure gold, guys. <laughs> but Millie is pure gold. Um, and, and, you know, if she were an operative, um, she hasn't, uh, well, she hasn't done anything to, to show that yet. Anyways, people are like, she sounds robotic and she doesn't sound believable. And, you know, she's too pretty. I'm like, we well, you know she used to be like a model, right? <laughs> I mean, transitioning from a model to to a well, a well-read and uh, a, and spoken uh, in, investigative journalist um, is a jump. You know, I'm not saying that she didn't have the brains. Obviously, she wouldn't be doing what she's doing if she didn't. Um, let's see here. Okay, I think we're good. I think we're good. I think we're Tam Girl. Thank you for the can. And Dixie is in the house as well. All right, guys, let's go. Let's go first things first, even though it, we're doing an international focused type of episode. Really, I mean, I say international because we're not going to be covering stories that are on the ground here in the States. Uh, but this is more like the international um, patriot show, right, for today? Because um, after all, uh, we'll be focusing mainly on uh, the countries that um, support... Uh, you know, uh, respecting their people and nations and national history and uh, who are anti-globalist. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't like those anti-globalists. I mean, we don't like those globalists. <sighs> that sounds bad. All right. Uh, first statement from President Trump goes this way. It is being stated by almost all that Joe Biden is the worst president in history. If inflation is not quickly reined in, I think that what he meant, R-E-I-G-N. <laughs> Somebody fire that person. Somebody fire that person. Again. No, just kidding. <laughs> they, are, they are just uh, messing up President Trump's truths. Okay. I don't think he meant to spell reigned that way. Okay. Anyways, um, if inflation is not reined in quickly, <laughs> he may go down as an equal combination of Hubert, Hubert, Hubert. Hubert, <laughs> Hubert, Herbert, Hoover, Hoover, and Jimmy Carter, with Jimmy's only words of wisdom being that our country should not use mail-in ballots for voting because they will lead to very corrupt elections. 
Wow, did Jimmy really say that? Or was it Hubert Herver? <laughs> Hubert Herver. Oh my goodness. Now, now talk about crazy, a crazy team there. Herbert Hoover, right? Oh, you know what? I was about to say Herbert Hoover was a transvestite, but that's J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> oh my goodness. What is up? You know, I was just in a rush to get today's report together today. And uh, I was like, I'm already past my deadline, but I'm not skipping another Wednesday. So here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. Okay, very true words indeed, President Trump. Let's go on to our next statement. It says, when comparing oil prices between the Trump administration and the Biden administration, you must use the November 3rd election day date because that is when they started to go through the roof. <laughs> I don't know why, but in my head that translated to like mail-in ballots went through the roof <laughs> the day after November 3rd. <laughs> we received more mail-in ballots the day after November 3rd than we did the entire early voting period. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, I guess, uh, I guess uh, the truth could be said about both things, right? I thought I had... Oh, here it is. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how I went forward to go backward to get to the last thought for president. Anyways, okay. All right, uh, next and final statement for today. He only had three very short statements. God bless. Uh, far more bots and fake accounts on Twitter than originally thought. That place is a disaster and boring. I will never go back. Now, that actually made me have this kind of thought, right? Uh, not thought, T-H-O-T. I wish I had that, but... Um, thought about, think about, think about all the, uh, the, the influencers out there. And, and I know right away your, your minds probably went to like the Patriot. No, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about legit, you know, like the, the makeup influencers that do all their makeup and, you know, half of them are like boys or like, um, the video game influencers or any, any of the people who legitimately made their, name and wealth on being an influencer on the internet, like having a YouTube channel, etc. And you can include, if you would like to, any of, um, you know, any of the uh, political influencers on the internet. Now, I didn't want to include the, like, the live streamers, like the, you know, content creators for, like, the Patriots and, like, you know, for Make America Great Again. But, I mean, why not, right? Why not, you know? Because there's plenty of them out there that are obviously uh, oper operatives, right? So, this post made me think... Wouldn't it be something if one day you found out, like, your favorite influencer across any, I'm talking about any, any type of a medium, uh, was actually had, like, more than half of their uh, follows were fake accounts, right? <laughs> Didn't someone say that was happening on Twitter? They're like, all of a sudden, like, uh, all of a sudden, Johnny Depp had, like, 500 uh, followers. <laughs> What's going on here? No, just kidding. But, you know, that made me think that, you know, um, the level of deception even goes as far as 
how um, how well received and liked and followed they are, not just in the deception of their words or their existence. And I guess you could apply this part of the statement to operative, um, you know, uh, MAGA or Patriots type of influencers, you know, um, but it even goes in so far as much as to deceive our organic, authentic, you know, um, fans, audience members, if you will, into believing there's something that they're not. And isn't it interesting? Like, we should take a lesson from that. Isn't it interesting how much, um, how much importance, faith, confidence that we put in individuals who have really high numbers? And I know that not everyone in like, you know, the awake American community uh, thinks like that because we're not, we're not really like herd mentality type people, right? I mean, that's why we're here to begin with, you know, because we, uh, we can sense, you know, the originality, we can sense the genuineness. Uh, we don't necessarily uh, just go along the, oh, well, that person's popular. So I'm going to join them too. Now, I don't know about Pennsylvania because once again, they on, you know, live TV uh, showed everyone exactly where they stand hooting and hollering for Fox News and Hannity. Okay, so I will always discount Pennsylvania for that. Um, because I don't know. I mean, let someone else do it. Let's see. Let's see another state. Who else is going to do something like that, right? <laughs> I was expecting them to boo Hannity just like they booed the vaccines, ladies and gentlemen, in Alabama, right? And at least in Texas, when Abbott start, tried to start a chant of let's go Trump, he was met with silence and probably a lot of questionable faces like, what the heck are you doing, Abbott? <laughs> that line is obviously reserved for Brandon, okay? <laughs> Stupid Abbott. Anyways, okay, so those are the statements right there. Uh, the whole point was the um, the multiplied deception of you know, um, these types of things like, you know, all these fake bots and stuff like that on Twitter. It's just interesting. It's just very, very interesting. Okay, guys. So where is that going to take us right now? First things first, we are going to fly down to Brazil or maybe not because apparently, uh, president Bolsonaro will be here if he's not here already in the States, in California of all places. Um, for the Summit of the Americas, ladies and gentlemen, where in all, or at this point, it's just about half of the countries in America <laughs> are attending this summit. Uh, most of the countries said nay. They're like, no. Okay. No, el president. Oh, wait, tu eres no presidente, right? They all said that to Biden. They're like, you're not a president. We ain't going to meet with you. No, just kidding. They didn't all say that. Um, uh, but uh, you know, President Bolsonaro kind of did. Um, so anyhow, anyhow, uh, President Bolsonaro has agreed to meet and speak with uh, illegitimate Joe at the Summit of the Americas. Okay, as you can see by the look on illegitimate Joe's face, he has a lot of anxiety over meeting with President Bolsonaro. <laughs> and I would say he should have anxiety because if you are reading all of the, uh, you know, international papers and make no mistake, folks, and, and you know, I, you guys have heard me say this before, make no mistake. Um, if they have a legacy media in the United States of America that is Western-backed propaganda, you damn well know they have it all over the world. And it's much more invasive. Uh, 
and it's much more intrusive. It's more expansive than it is here in the States, believe it or not. At least here in the States, we have like, what at this point, thousands and thousands of like independent, uh, you know, civilian journalist types or, you know, news sharers, information sharers, truthers, if you will, uh, to kind of combat that flow. And, you know, we're already in a period where people aren't watching TV, you know, and, you know, to be honest with you, the industry, like the entertainment industry can also blame themselves for, you know, all of you guys who come to uh, independent platforms to get your news and your views, you know, because they're the ones that went into live streaming mode, right? And they can also blame, I don't know, China, China, Ukraine, or China, China, I don't care who, right? Or, you know, uh, Fauci, right? For bringing about this COVID, because after all, uh, when everyone had nothing to do for a year and a half in lockdown, they were on the internet, right? And they got to learn about an entire world they may not have known before, you know? So anyhow, make no mistake, the international legacy press, the propaganda out there is much worse than here. Um, talk about trying to figure out what is what and who is who when you're putting a story together on international news. Um, you know, say you read a headline about something in uh, Pakistan, for example, and you're like, oh, well, I, I want to share this story. And then you go and you're like, shoot, like, how can I make a comment on a situation and a country that I don't really understand. And then, you know, then, then you have to start doing your legwork, right? How far are you going to have to dig? Do you even know what side the leader or the political party is on in that country? Uh, whether it's Pakistan or not, I was just using Pakistan as an example. I mean, I did want to talk about Pakistan, but we're not going to have enough time today because there's a lot of stuff going on right now with elections and regime changes in multiple countries right now. Okay. But anyways, we're not going to talk about that tonight. Uh, just thought I'd throw that in there. So yeah, you have to start the legwork. Okay. Then you have to start, uh, you know, trying to fine tune it. And then, and then there's the issue of the legacy propaganda worldwide, Western backed media. Like, is what this paper or is what this article is telling me true or is this propaganda? Because um, I don't know if this is a legacy press, uh, you know, uh, magazine or newspaper. It's, it can be daunting. It, uh, I think that's kind of the problem with some of the independent alternatives, the bigger ones, you know, because the, these pe a lot of, okay, don't get me wrong. I admire and respect a lot of the outfits, a lot of the outfits that put out real or as accurate as possible information, uh, Epoch Times, Gateway Pundit, Breitbart, you know, uh, Just the News, uh, just to name a few. Uh, I think a lot of these guys should receive Pulitzers if Pulitzers were really worth what they're worth, what they were supposed to be worth. Like they should be awarded because they are the ones who have been consistently as honest as possible, you know, and even in calling out the good guys when they're bad guys, you know, it's not like they're playing sides here. Right. But even then, when it comes to international news, they suck, you know, they suck, you know, like, I mean, I'm sorry, but they do, you know, and, uh, and I'm like, why are you running with a headline from the BBC? Like, don't you get it? Like, if America's bad, imagine the crown paper, that one's probably even worse, right? <laughs> so, I mean, it's okay, though, it's okay. 
we might have an example or two of that today. Okay, not saying that uh, I'm 100% correct, but um, um, so far, spot on, I've been correct in what I've reported on as far as international news goes. We started talking about President Bolsonaro and um, Brazil like last spring, okay? And we've been on it the entire way um, as far as everything that he and that country have gone through and the things that they have done to him. Now, like I said, the last time we brought Bolsonaro on, it's been a minute, right? We haven't reported on Brazil since probably before the New Year's. Um, so yeah, six months into 2022, right? And then maybe a few months removed. Haven't talked about Brazil in a while, you know? And uh, we've been spot on with, um, we've been spot on with uh, Russia so far too, you know? Russia, we've been spot on with too. So, you know, uh, but that takes a little bit of work, okay? And I'll give all of you aspiring international news reporters, sharers, truthers, a little uh, advice. When you're going through all of the international newspapers and headlines, look for keywords, okay? If you read a paper that says President Jair Bolsonaro is a right-wing extremist, it's probably a legacy media paper. So look for the keywords, okay? Look for the keywords. Look for the, uh, you know, the signals. You know, if you, if you read uh, right-wing, if you read um, conspiracy theorist, if you read uh, ultra, oh no, ultra-nationalist is not, that one's obviously Ukraine Nazis, right? But uh, nationalist, not ultra-nationalist. Uh, and they identify certain leaders as such. Those are probably conservative leaders, and those are probably leaders who oppose socialism or, you know, regime change, democracy, that kind of thing. Uh, just just a hint there to kind of like help you out, guys. And then, uh, well, of course, we'll get into the rest as we move along. Let's talk about this meeting with Bolsonaro and illegitimate Joe at the summit of the Americas. Um, it says here... Uh, U.S. President Joe Biden's first formal talks with Brazilian counterpart Jair Bolsonaro will cover a wide range of issues when they meet at the Summit of the Americas, including food, food insecurity, climate change, and pandemic recovery, the White House said on Wednesday. Biden's top Latin America advisor, Juan Gonzalez, confirmed the two would meet in Los Angeles, asked if Biden would raise concerns about Bolsonaro's questioning of Brazil's voting system. He said only that the United States does have confidence in Brazil's electoral institutions, which have proven robust. Now, if you guys don't know what the deal is with Brazil's elections, lordy lordy guys, okay, there's a lot of, uh, uh, please refer to the Sea Report episode number 53. No, just kidding. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, contention with Brazil's um, elections coming up in October, okay? And uh, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that um, in a, a minute. But um, first of all, I would say uh, that statement by, you know, illegitimate Joe in regard to Brazil's elections. A, it's a good thing he didn't say anything else because he is in no position to criticize or to make a comment about elections in Brazil. And then two... Um, I'm sure that, uh, he has confidence in their electoral institutions because after all, uh, it's the very electoral institutions. It's also the judicial system and it's uh, the majority of the legislative in Brazil that are trying to get, 
um, Bolsonaro out. Like they want him out. They've been fighting and fighting, and uh, they've done. They've played a lot of dirty things on him. They've arrested people. They've tried to um, um, stop free speech. All that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, yeah, they're working against Bolsonaro, uh, including the electoral institutions. They are working against him. And uh, I don't know, maybe maybe Biden's signaling that they're going to do the same thing in Brazil that they did here in America and they also did in Ukraine in 2019. Maybe. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But uh, we'll see. We'll be watching. So um, it says here, after signaling he might skip the summit, uh, Bolsonaro said last week he would attend and meet Biden on the sidelines, despite what he called a freeze in Brazil-U.S. ties since Biden took office in January 2021. The Brazilian president, a right-wing populist, you see, there's your signal word right there, guys, and this is from uh, NASDAQ, okay? A right-wing populist and admirer of former President Donald Trump, their words, not mine, was one of the last world leaders to acknowledge Trump's 2020 electoral defeat after Trump made false fraud. Okay, so false fraud, false fraud claims. Okay, obviously, you know, this is a legacy media, you know, you just, uh, you, you get it in their, uh, their words. Bolsonaro has made repeated expressions of doubts about Brazil's electoral process ahead of October's elections without providing evidence. That has raised concerns he might not accept defeat if he is beaten by leftist rival Luis Inicio Lula da Silva, who is leading in opinion polls. Of course he's leading. Of course he's leading. The polls and the media don't want Bolsonaro. Uh, the issue of the Brazilian elections is really up for the Brazilians to decide, Gonzalez told a news conference to preview the summit agenda. He said talks between Biden and Bolsonaro would cover a broad spectrum of bilateral and global issues, given the importance of the U.S.-Brazil relationship. There is a very long list of issues that are going to be up for discussion, Gonzalez said. Biden sent his special advisor for the America Summit, Former Senator Chris Dodd to Brazil last week to convince Bolsonaro to go to the gathering, which the United States is hosting for the first time since its inaugural session in 1994. The offer of a bilateral meeting with Biden helped sway Bolsonaro, according to people familiar with the matter. Mexican President Andres Manuel López Obrador and some others are threatening to boycott, and they have. Unless Cuba, Venezuela, and Nicaragua are invited, and they were not. But Bolsonaro's presence ensures participation by Latin America's most populous nation at the summit. Nope, didn't work. Bolsonaro on Thursday complained that Biden ignored him at a G20 summit last year and suggested it was due to the 79-year-old's age. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That is funny. Well, you know, uh, President Bolsonaro, don't don't feel bad. He he wasn't just ignoring you. He just didn't know where he was. He was ignoring everybody. Okay. <laughs> mm. That is hilarious. <laughs> that is a oh, that is hilarious. Okay, so we, well, there you go. He's coming. Amlo's not. Uh, but let's see here. Um, it appears that uh, Bolsonaro might have also. I wouldn't say inadvertently, I would say subtly. Uh, he subtly snubbed <laughs> illegitimate Joe, right? Um, yeah, I'm sure, you know, uh, with his many years of youth <laughs> compared to Biden, he knows how to do so um, without, uh, um, without uh, um, you know, word vomit or something like that, you know? 
Um, it says here, President Bolsonaro, we don't want that in Brazil. So what was said? It says here in this article, in remark. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Let me uh, expand this for you guys. Uh, in remarks to a, a local television station Tuesday, Bolsonaro revived his claim that there was widespread fraud in the United States election that his close ally, uh, former U.S. President Donald Trump, their words not mine, lost to Biden. The comments echo Bolsonaro's renewed attempts to discredit the electronic voting system in Brazil, where he's seeking a second term in October's election. It's the American people who say this. This is Bolsonaro speaking. It's the American people who say this. I won't get into sovereign issues of another country, but Trump was doing very well. And uh, he said that in response to a question about whether he believed there had been fraud in Biden's election. Using a colloquial Portuguese expression to emphasize his reticence, Bolsonaro added, we don't want that to happen in Brazil. <laughs> oh, so like he didn't say it, he didn't he didn't say it didn't happen. He said it's a sovereign issue in another country, but we don't want that to happen in Brazil. Yeah. So it was very, a very uh, slight, slight, slighted snub. Asked about Bolsonaro's remarks, a senior administration official in the Biden administration said, Brazil and the U.S. share a significant set of common interests and concerns, but also have some disagreements. Such conflicts will probably come up during a candid conversation between the two leaders. The official added, asking for anonymity because the discussion is not public. In uh, 2020, after Donald Trump lost the election to Biden, um, Bolsonaro said there was a lot of fraud in the U.S. voting system. The Brazilian leader was a close ally of the president, President Trump, who did not recognize the results and presented dozens of lawsuits across the country. Bolsonaro was one of the last world leaders to congratulate Biden on his victory. Since then, relations between the two biggest economies in the Americas have cooled. The Brazilian leader, who still has not met or spoken with Biden, will arrive in Los Angeles on Thursday. Uh, in Tuesday's interview, Bolsonaro said he believes the resumption of positive relations with the U.S. government is possible, but that it would depend on the outcome of the bilateral meeting. He also said he is ready to react in case Biden puts pressure on him about the Amazon rainforest. He won't, in my opinion, want to impose something about what I should do in the Amazon, said Bolsonaro. You tell him, Bolsonaro. You tell him. Keep your hands off my trees. Okay. Okay. All right. Good job. Hey, Two Rivers, what's going on? Good to see you in the audience tonight. How you doing? Hope all is well. Hey, the Speaking Easy, what's going on, buddy? Coming to get a bit of news before you get behind the bar, I see. <laughs> so absolutely, absolutely. One of our allies, guys, one of our allies, an ally of the people of the world, President Jair Bolsonaro, um, really, really, really hoping things go well for him in the October elections, guys. Now, uh, pictured on the screen here, we have, uh, the, um, uh, Lula da Silva, right? This is, uh, Bolsonaro's opponent. Okay. Now, interesting enough, da Silva was previously a president of uh, Brazil, if I'm not mistaken. And if memory serves, he was charged with fraud, 
Um, he was arrested, and um, uh, this was post because a, a Jair um, president. Uh, sorry, I don't know him. Why am I using him on a first name basis? President Bolsonaro. Um, he won his election in a populist victory. After that election, that's when the Silva gets locked up, right? Um, as the story goes, uh, according to previous sea reports, um, about a year or two ago, all of the courts that and the judges that had previously um, arraigned and indicted and convicted De Silva, they um, they turned over their decisions. Poof, just like that, they all went away for whatever fraud he'd been conv uh, convicted of, and it had to deal with uh, land and territory leasing and stuff like that. Um, so, well, there's that, guys. So now De Silva is back in. He's able to run, and so he's running against uh, President Bolsonaro. Um, of course, all of the polls, all of the media, all of the legacy media down there in Brazil, and I don't know what kind of an independent media they have, really. I mean, I don't know much about anything as far as that goes outside of the world. I mean, outside of the United States of America. Um, so I don't know uh, how... I don't know how the people are still able to connect with President Bolsonaro as much as they do, considering all of the reports that I read about the uh, Brazilian press, the Brazilian media, the Brazilian um, uh, legislative branches, the judiciary. I mean, everybody who is not like, I guess, lower rung, uh, you know, regular working class people are just anti-Bolsonaro because, again, he is the President Trump of Brazil, you know. Uh, he is f doing everything that flies in the face of, you know, the establishment, the globalists. Um, you know, he didn't do forced vaccinations during COVID. He didn't do forced lockdowns, but he did give uh, the mayors and the governors autonomy to make those decisions. He didn't force it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> he, he restored some Second Amendment rights to the people of Brazil when they had previously been stripped. You know, he and she, he, and he's very big on that. He was like, the people need to be able to defend themselves, you know. So there's that. And those are just some of the things, of course, you know, uh, he, uh, he, uh, kind of, uh, he kind of backed off from, uh, you know, the World Economic Forum's um, uh, WHO, IHR um, amendments that he was going to leave. And we'll talk, we reported about that a couple of weeks ago, but we'll talk about it a little bit more tonight. But uh, let's, let's take a look at what's going on with the elections because, you know, Jair... President Bolsonaro, he has been uh, making moves to ensure that there's some sort of security, you know, forming certain alliances. And um, and of course, he does not refrain from speaking about electoral fraud, about the corruption and the hackability of the machines. Um, he, he's not shy away from that. Uh, he's often been compared to President Trump. And they're like, just like Trump, he keeps on saying things about, you know, election fraud and the, the elections being rigged. So this way, when he loses... Um, you know, his people will be upset or, you know, he can uh, he can try and steal the election. Right. Exactly what they were saying with Trump. It's almost an exact mirror. Ladies and gentlemen, they're using the same tactics on him that they used on President Trump. And uh, you know, Bolsonaro is not afraid to say it. Uh, in fact, um, the um, uh, the courts there and the legislative branches tried to get him in trouble for it. Like they tried to indict him for um, causing a lack of confidence in elections. Okay, what does that say, right? What does that say? Hey, Death Blossom 17 good evening, 123SKG, good to see y'all. Glad y'all are here tonight, guys. And uh, so, yeah, so there's all that. And then, of course, De Silva, they keep pulling him high. 
I mean, apparently everyone in Brazil loves um, De Silva, but yet, as I shared with you guys on um, May Day, Communist Day, International Workers Day, you know, to eloquently put that or um, euphemistically put that, all of President Bolsonaro's supporters came and filled the streets. It was like they said the conservatives and the free speech lovers and the supporters of um, President Bolsonaro hit the streets in Rio de Janeiro and also in uh, Sao Paulo. Um, and they totally took over Communist Day. Like it was just the street was filled with like flags of Brazil and face masks of President Bolsonaro. Like they came out in droves. And then if you guys might remember, we covered a story, I think it was like in October or something of last year, maybe September, uh, where they held a rally. They held a rally across the nation for Bolsonaro. And I showed you guys pictures. I don't remember if you guys, um, I don't know if you guys remember them, but the photos was just miles of people, like miles of people in the streets of, um, of Sao Paulo, miles of people on the beaches in Rio de Janeiro, like all of those people coming out for Bolsonaro. And then they also did a trucker thing in Bolsonaro, but this was like in the summer of last year, well ahead of Canada and Australia, uh, where the truckers went on revolt, um, because they were, um, they were cutting off their communications, uh, between, um, Basically, like they are censoring the conservatives, just like, you know, they do here in America with Twitter and et cetera. They are doing that down there. And so the truckers were using their ham radios and, and they, that they were all communicating. And then, you know, Bolsonaro got on the radio, like on the little operator radio, and he was talking with them. And, you know, they were doing all of that to protest the courts and the legislative for all of their efforts to um, stymie free speech and silence President Bolsonaro. So uh, the people of Brazil love Bolsonaro. The polls... I don't know where they get these polls from, but I'm sure we all have a good guess, right? So I wanted to share this article with you guys. Now, this article actually comes from, wait for it. Uh, you think this is a legacy, a legacy uh, a media type of article? It, it might be worse. Actually, it's probably like, it probably actually is a legacy press, but I would say it's probably worse. It is, uh, I think it's like world socialists or something like that. So apparently Bolsonaro has the understanding and support of the Brazilian military and they are ready just in case there is fraud in October. I don't know what that's going to look like, guys, but I can tell you, I can tell you how the legacy media will paint that picture, okay? If... The um, and, and this would have happened here in the States as well, guys, which is why I think things are the way they are, because it had to be this way, because this is what would have happened if the military had stepped in in November and stopped Biden from stealing the election. Oh, man, would there have been blood in the streets of America? Not only would every leftist, socialist, communist, fascist little booger come out into the streets to protest and kill. Uh, talking about ta targeting cops and just because of that, you know, uh, you would have, uh, you'd probably have like a civil revolution breakout. If this happens in Brazil and the military steps in, you know, the, the headlines will read military coup in Brazil, right? Um, led by President Bolsonaro. Um, it, it's become a fascist country and, you know, it's authority, you know, they'll, it'll just, it will spill. The headlines will just spill their ink with um, news about uh, Brazil um, no longer being a free democratic nation, whatever that is, right? So anyways, um, so this article was written by the World Socialist whatever website or whatever. 
And this is a viewpoint of what they see Bolsonaro is doing as far as the military is concerned. It says, Bolsonaro advances coup plot. You see, they're already doing it, guys. They're already doing it. Bolsonaro advances coup plots with Brazilian military's support. Mm-hmm. See? Yeah, I should have just read that headline, right? <laughs> it says, um, <clears throat> oh, wait. Wrong, uh, wrong, wrong thing here. What am I, where am I at? Uh, we'll just, we'll just hold on to that one. Okay, it says here, um, with five months to go before Brazil's presidential elections and open conspiracy against the Democrat pro- democratic process is unfolding before the public's eyes. The incumbent far-right president, Jair Bolsonaro, is simply systematically advancing his campaign for an electoral coup should he be defeated at the polls with the increasingly direct collaboration of the military's top brass. This campaign, based on Bolsonaro's persistent claims that the upcoming elections will be rigged, is now focused on the demand that the armed forces conduct a parallel vote count. Mm-hmm. The military's participation in the Election Transparency Commission, convened by the Superior Electoral Court, has turned into a platform for an anti-democratic conspiracy. According to Bolsonaro, one of the suggestions made by General um, Herbert Portea uh, appointed by the Ministry of Defense to in, integ- integrate the commission is that the same duct fe- feeding the computers in the secret room, there should be a branch a little to the right so that we have on the side also a computer from the armed forces to count votes in Brazil. This statement was given by the president at a so-called Civic Act for Freedom of Expression with allied MPs on April 27th. Under the banner of freedom of expression, the demonstration saluted the fascist deputy Daniel Silveira, a Brazilian Labour Party, uh, who a week earlier had been sentenced to eight years and nine months in prison by the Supreme Court for agitating a coup among the armed forces and demanding the closure of the legislative and judicial branches. Silveira's crimes were pardoned by President Bolsonaro in an unprecedented act by the current political regime. It's a regime even though he was uh, elected, like, duly. Uh, Bolsonaro's speech at the Civic Act encouraged the calls for pro-coup demonstrations on May 1st. Ha! Pro-coup demonstrations, and it was it was a freedom of speech demonstration. And there was no blood and guts and violence on the streets. Like, you see? You see these people? I, I get it. It's, it's hard to read international papers and understand sometimes. With the clear aim of overshadowing the holiday of international working class solidarity with, of course, a socialist rag would say something like that. With street demonstrations of a fascist character. For the second year in a row, Bolsonaro's far-right supporters um, held protests on this date demanding the establishment of a presidential presidential dictatorship. I mean, I know Trump supporters said, hey, eight years, 12 years, 24 years, we're all good with it. But uh, rest assured, we wouldn't be good with it if it were a dictatorship. Uh, Bolsonaro personally visited a demonstration held in Brasilia and appeared by video at one in Sao Paulo. Bolsonaro's allegation about the military's demand at the Transparency Commission was preceded by an episode with grave repercussions in the political and military establishments involving Supreme Court Minister Luis Roberto Barrasco, who until February presided over the Superior Electoral Court. 
In a speech during the webinar, Brazil Summit Europe, hosted by the German Hertie School on April 24th, Barrasso warned about the military's growing incursion into Brazilian politics and said that the armed forces are being oriented to attack the electoral process and try to discredit it. Now, you know, if this had been, and you know, and this is like nothing like I just like described to you prior to reading this article, right? I said, oh, well, if the military steps in and stops the elections, then, you know, the headlines will read, you know, this military coup happened. And it wouldn't be anything like, I don't know, um, paratroopers dropping out of the sky and tackling Kamala Harris to the ground, you know? The military wants to set up a computer that divides between the electoral commissioner's computer and the military's computer so that as the votes come in, they get, you know, twin streams, okay? And then this way, if they uh, rig the vote <laughs> in that computer, they have another count on the military's. That's not even getting involved. That's not even seizing the boxes and counting the ballots. You know, that's just, that's just having, and that's just a digital record too, which um, maybe someone should explain to them that that is highly corruptible. Mm-hmm. Right? Anyways, uh, but basically what that means is the military's count would match <laughs> the electoral's count, even if it was corrupted. Anyhow, um, they might have to seize the ballot boxes. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So um, where do we go from here? <clears throat> oh, yeah. So uh, military forces are being oriented to attack the electoral process. Uh, he recalled recent episodes such as the unprecedented dismissal of the defense minister and the uniformed military command and the tank parade staged during the congressional vote on Bolsonaro's printed ballots amendment. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. In response, Defense Minister General Paulo Sergio Noguida de Oliva. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. That wasn't the last part. Of he has more name. Okay. Paulo Sergio Noguida de Olvida. <laughs> Oliveira. Oh, my goodness. I forget. I forget. We Latin people have like 30 names. Okay. Issued an intimidating official note characterizing Bar Barrasso's speech as a serious offense against the military institutions. The note stated that the armed forces presented collaborative, plausible, and feasible proposals to the CTE to improve the security and transparency of the electoral system. The Daily Estado de Sao Paulo reported that the armed forces sent 88 inquiries to the TSE in the last uh, eight months about alleged risks and weaknesses in the electoral process. According to the newspaper, the majority of the questions reproduce the electoral discourse of President Jair Bolsonaro, who has cast doubt on the safety of electronic ballot boxes and kept the court's own actions under suspicion. <coughs> Excuse me. Exacerbating this critical situation, Oliveira sent on May 5th an official letter to the TSE demanding public disclosure of the suggestions made by the military to the commission, given the broad public interest in the topic in question. The current president of the TSE, Edson Fachin, um, uh, submissively accepted the defense minister's demand. And Bolsonaro, in turn, responded by doubling down on his coup threats. In a live broadcast, also on May 5th, he claimed that the armed forces will not play the role of merely sanctioning the electoral process, participating as spectators, 
and that his liberal party will conduct a private audit of the elections. The political crisis facing Brazil today is undeniably the greatest since 1964, the year of the CIA-backed military coup that ousted the elected president, João Goulart. Okay, so let's just pause here to look at the hypocrisy or just perhaps the plain stupidity of this world socialist rag. And this is not the first time I've shared some of their work, right? Um, they had, they were a root story for a gateway pundit article one time as well. And so that's why I shared it before. But think about this, guys. Think about this. You have a president who is for the people, who's for the sovereignty of his nation, who's against globalist agendas. And yet they are saying that his um, administration is just as dangerous as the CIA-backed coup, okay, that took place, that plummeted Brazil into, like, socialism, and, and it was, like, a terrible country, took their guns, all that stuff. And yet, what is the article that we shared about Brazil about two to three weeks ago? Who was talking to President Bolsonaro? Who was telling President Bolsonaro, you need to stop making these claims about fraud in elections in your country, Bolsonaro? Who was it? Oh, well, it was none other than the CIA. The CIA threatened him and said that they, he should not be, he will not be, he needs to stop. Okay, so World Socialist Magazine here. Check your batteries, you know, check your sources. Check your head, because, like, clearly, if you are opposed to a CIA-backed military coup, what do you think you're supporting now? Is that hypocrisy or just plain stupidity? I cannot tell with these socialists anymore, guys. Anyways, let's finish up this article. I'm going to skip that part. Okay, so, uh, Estado de São Paulo um, published an editorial last Saturday beseeching the bourgeois establishment, it is necessary to react to Bolsonaro's crimes. The newspaper declared that what, what Jair Bolsonaro has done in evident and continued fashion is to incite the Navy, Army, and Air Force to feel authorized to act outside their constitutional powers. And that is not an abstract or distant danger, as demonstrated by the defense minister's demands to the TSE. Estalo praised the commitment of the judiciary and the Congress to stop the coup plots, citing as an example the prudent rejection of Bolsonaro's printed ballot amendment. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. President Bolsonaro, on an elect he, he wanted to put an amendment <laughs> to bring back paper ballots. They don't have paper ballots in Brazil, guys. They don't. But the remarkable fact was, in reality, that the proposal was backed by a majority of Congress and failed to be approved only because a constitutional amendment requires 60% of parliamentary votes. In response to the same movement in preparation of an electoral coup, the TSE presided over by Barros convened the Extraordinary Election Transparency Commission with the participation of the military and even invited Bolsonaro's former defense minister, General Fernando Acevedo e Silva, to assume the post of general director of the court. The occupation of the electoral system by the military was not characterized in the corporate media as an unacceptable capitulation to the anti-democratic pressures, but rather as a brilliant maneuver by Barros to neutralize Bolsonaro's political mobilization of the armed forces. 
An article by Elian uh, Cantajera in Estado, for example, claims that appointing a general to the TSE reduces attacks on elections and threats of a Trump-style coup, calling the decision a master stroke. Only a year ago, during the crisis uh, opened up by the dismissal of the military command, the press boasted that the appointed of appointment of General Oliveira, Oliveira to the command of the army represented a defeat for Bolsonaro's campaign to politicize the armed forces. In typical commentary, uh, Getelio Vargas Foundation Professor Rafael Acadipani told Reuters that Oliveira was supposedly even stricter than Pujol, his predecessor, with respect to the separation between the armed forces and politics and shows that the president will not have a puppet at his disposal in the army. He is referring to the same man who today, promoted to defense ministers, leads the attacks on the democratic regime hand in hand with Bolsonaro. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com, that's www.thecreport.com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, CloutHub, and Hill.net. Every measure taken by the ruling class to, in theory, contain Bolsonaro's coup maneuvers has had the effect of deepening the contradictions of the rotten bourgeois political regime and opening new avenues for the advance toward dictatorship. Goodness, these fa- I'll see these fascists, these socialists. Okay, uh, I think we have a good idea here, guys, about uh, the contention that is going on. Uh, leave it to the socialists to so aptly, uh, aptly describe the contention that's going on with anything, right? With anything. Um, uh, they go on to talk about how he handled COVID-19, okay? And of course, the, dict- the dictatorial threats... Uh, Bolsonaro endangered the lives of every Brazilian because of the way he handled it. So anyhow, goes on to talk about United States politics. We don't need to talk about United States politics, but that is a little bit of that, guys, just so you have an overview. Dixie, thank you for gifting the can. Much appreciated. Love your show. Thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate that so much. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. Okay, so uh, here's, uh, I think this is going to be our last Brazil story for tonight because uh, I'm going to run out of time, guys. Okay, so uh, let's see here. I had, uh, okay, so what do we have here? This is the uh, electoral electoral superior court uh, in Brazil. That's what the building looks like. That's what their sign says. So um, uh, uh, against President Bolsonaro's will, um, this uh, electoral Supreme Court or whatever, um, they have invited uh, international observers, okay? Same thing happened here in the States in 2018 and in 2020. We had like, oh, oh thanks a lot, Hari Hursty, uh, for leading that operation, Hari Hursty. Never forget, guys, I don't care if you see like a 30-minute video clip of multiple clips of Hari Hursty 
saying, oh, oh, my God, I told them that these machines can be hacked, right? Like he was warning us. He was warning Americans about the hackability of machines. No, he's an operative. He works for the United Nations, okay? He rigs he rigs elections too, and he covers them up. So don't you guys think for a minute. I know you guys are probably like, who the heck is Hari Hursty, Mr. C? Anyways, uh, we'll, we'll do a spotlight on him sometime soon. Okay. But anyways, uh, getting back to this, uh, just like in the States, they had international observers come in. What these international observers are doing, I don't know. Uh, that is a good question. What are these international observers doing in our country observing our elections? Okay. So they can figure out how to rig an election in uh, their country. Uh, maybe that's probably what it is, right? That's probably what it is. Because we had American observers in Ukraine for that rigging, okay? And then we did the same rigging here, okay? And that system worked. Maybe it's for them to observe the rigging in action in October in Brazil. Uh, there's got to be a reason why you have international forces coming in to observe elections. And I, I would suspect it's something like, something like a workshop, like a live action workshop, or maybe something like, you know, uh, you know how we had representatives, delegates go down to Arizona to view the forensic audit. This is how we do it. You know, I think that's probably more spot on with uh, what the reason is, at least so saith my gut. Uh, let's see what this article says real quick. Brazil invites into election observers on a record scale as Bolsonaro stirs doubt. Mm -hmm. I apologize if I'm moving really quick, guys. It's just I got a lot of information and uh I'm already doing some uh, on-the-fly uh, <laughs> editing here of tonight's show. Um, let's see here. It says, uh, Brazil is preparing to receive a record number of international observers for its October election, according to electoral authorities and participating organizations amid a polarized presidential race in which President Jair Bolsonaro has questioned the reliability of electronic voting machines. Bolsonaro's government objected to an invitation last month extended by Brazilian electoral authorities to the European Union to send observers for the first time, sinking that proposal. But the Parliament of South America trade bloc, uh, Mercosur, known as Parlesur, will send a formal observer mission for the first time, as will the U.S.-based Carter Center and the International Foundation of Electoral Systems. The 34-nation organization of American states also will send more observers than it did in 2018, when Bolsonaro was elected. We don't know the size of the mission yet, but that will depend on the money available, but we do intend to make it bigger, said a source at the Hemispheric Forum in Washington, requesting anonymity to comment on preliminary discussions. In 2018, there were 40 observers, and we want to exceed that number. Bolsonaro, a far-right populist, right? There's your, there's your signal word. Gave vocal support to former U.S. President Donald Trump's baseless allegations. I mean, obviously, you don't even have to read between the lines here to know what side this magazine is on, this article. Um, let's see here. He raised similar doubts about Brazil's electronic voting system, calling it liable to fraud without providing evidence. Those allegations, along with Bolsonaro's criticism of the electoral authorities who defend Brazil's voting system, have raised concerns he might not accept defeat by his leftist rival, Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva, who is leading in opinion polls. Uh, 
Uh, for this reason, we are inviting in an unprecedented way all international organizations and specialized centers to act as observers of our election. Edson Fachin, head of Brazil's Superior Electoral Court, said last week, we are aiming for more than 100 international observers during the electoral process. Um, Fashin said one of a one of a rotating set of Supreme Court justices running the TSE. So their Supreme Court justices run their electoral court, guys. Isn't that crazy? You know, so if you have them stacked against you, you have the whole election process stacked against you. Uh, Parla Soar was invited by the TSC to send representatives for the 2018 election as foreign guests. This year, it will send an official election observer mission for the first time, according to the mission's director, Alexandra Andrietta. Uh, he said the mission would have between 10 and 20 members. The Carter Center, which has been a pioneer of international election observation since the 1980s, said it will send an exploratory mission to Brazil in June to study the possibility of observing the October vote. The community of Portuguese-speaking countries has confirmed it will send election observers, Fachin said, and the Global Network on Electoral Justice, a pro-democracy organization, has been invited to do so. European electoral authorities have been invited as guests. So that is uh, what's going on there, guys. You know, the more information becomes available, I will make sure to keep tabs on that, guys. You know, I got a lot of tabs, right? So I'll make sure to keep tabs on uh, what's going on in that regard. Okay, where does that put us now? Where does that put us now? Uh, don't got time. Okay, so we're going to go to... Is this where we're going? Boom! This is where we're going. Okay, guys. All right, guys. Time for a change of pace. It's time. Uh, it's it's time to get into uh, the second country for tonight, which also has a leader that is anti New World Order, anti globalist, anti everything that has to do with that. Okay. Dang it, guys. Oh man. Uh, let me tell you what. Tonight's report could have gone on for four hours. Um, let's see here. What is the title of this story? Oh, here it is. Did Vladimir Putin actually threaten nuclear war on America? Mm, do you guys get a vibe of where this is going to go? Okay. All right. So, you know, we're, um, we're, I am um, reporting, sharing information about Russia as much as possible. And as I was talking about at the onset of today's report, um, in regards to where and how and what to do with international information and how we handle it, you know. The story of Russia and Ukraine uh, has been one that definitely illustrates the divide between the legacy and the Western-backed propaganda media and the truth and reality of what is happening in that conflict. Um I've been able to show you guys the counter narrative to almost every single story that the West is pumping out uh, in order to um, demonize and vilify Putin and the country of Russia and the people of Russia, too, because Russians are also suffering because of that vilification, because of that propaganda. You know, they're getting attacked. They're not being uh, they're not being given credit. They're not being given housing, you know, because they're Russian. Right. So anyhow. Um, as I was saying as well, in regards to international, 
in regards to international um, news stories and the independent alternative press. Okay. I saw that Tam Growl. Yes, it is the same image. Tam Growl remembers this image that looks like it has Bozo the Clown in it. <laughs> and inside the mushroom, the mushroom cloud has Bozo in it. You see it? You see it? Do you see it? I'm trying to point it at you. That won't work. Anyways. So, uh, oh, wait, wait. I know how to do it. You see? Here is his nose. Here is his open, smiling mouth. Here are his two eyeballs. And here is his puffy, round hair. See? <laughs> Anyways. Okay. So, um, as I was saying, not to get off track, right? But as I was saying, with the alternative independence, okay, um, I, I sometimes don't understand how they will run with headlines that come straight out of the legacy press. Like they come straight from the swamp, right? Uh, uh, like, like uh, um, Putin is invading Ukraine and wants to take it over. Right. Uh, a lot of, when, when the, the Putin invasion first happened and I say invasion because that's what they said when the special military operation first happened, uh, a lot of the independents were, Mock, uh, were mimicking, right? They were parroting the headlines of the legacy media, you know? And um, I mean, we weren't, I wasn't at that point only because I already had made my decision about what was going on, only because we'd been covering the um, special military operation. Granted, I didn't know that that's what it was called, but starting in like January or December, whenever they were crying about uh, Putin massing all these soldiers on their border. So that took me off to the Donbass. That took me off into researching the history of, you know, the eastern part of Ukraine, finding about the Nazis. And I was like, oh, well, you know, uh, it has something to do with the Nazis and the Donbass, you know, um, it, and Putin's probably not even going to attack. I think that's that's where I was wrong. I was like, Putin's not even going to attack. He's just whatever. I don't remember everything that I said. But, you know, a lot of people ran away with it. And, you know, there's still that danger, though. There's still that danger that we're going to run away with some alarmist headlines. So the latest headline, I mean, it's like for everything that we have covered and everything that we have seen and everything that we've experienced. Think think about think about when uh, Biden was like, uh, Putin's going to attack Kiev and he's going to sack the capital and he's going to do it on February 16th. And an alarmist, 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 alarmist. What if what is the West been saying? Nuclear war, invasion, uh, Putin is Hitler and Russia this and Russia that. And and they're coming for you, globe. Uh, alarmist, 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 alarmist. So. Some statements were made, okay, some statements were made that have just triggered the alarms again, okay? And what were those statements? Something about Russia being forced to um, respond to the United States sending long-range missiles to Ukraine. That's paraphrasing it, okay? That's paraphrasing the statement, okay? But... Because Russia said that they are going to have to respond to, what was the specific uh, phrase that they used? They're going to have to respond to the uh, operating centers that um, these missiles are coming from, etc. Everyone seems to have interpreted that as Putin is going to strike the United States of America. Putin threatens America with nuclear war. Putin is going to attack America because Biden sent him missiles. Okay. With that said, I, I, you know, I'm not picking, but as I was 
garnishing illustrations for this story. These things came across my screen, okay? And so I thought I would share them. I thought I would share them. Look, uh, Maverick News. I don't know what that is. Russia threatens to fire back at U.S. targets. Is that what he said? Is that what he said? You guys get where this is going, right? We're going with the debunk. This is a debunk, guys. And uh, this is just to illustrate that even the alternative independents get caught up in the, their feels about headlines. And I'm like, don't you watch my show? Just kidding. Haha. <laughs> Anyways, here was another one. Oh, Russia threatened World War III. Nuclear war is coming. Pete Santilli. Hmm. He should talk to that guest that he had on his show that was really good. Uh, what was his name again? I can't remember his name. Really good. He had a really good guest on his show about Russia and Ukraine. Right. Is is World War III coming, Pete? I wonder. Oh, InfoWars. Russia propaganda threatens nuclear war with the United States of America. InfoWars. Okay. I won't stay long on the next one because I, I like the next show. This one actually said Putin threatens to strike the Pentagon. That was the headline. Okay. And uh, this one, uh, HRR, uh, no words here, but the headline was um, Russia welcomes the four horsemen of the apocalypse and threatens Armageddon. <laughs> okay, just as an example, I'm sure there are many more out there. My headline is, did Putin actually threaten nuclear war? <laughs> Whoa, this is what everyone sees, right? This is what everybody sees, ladies and gentlemen. They're like, oh, that crazy, uh, that crazy KGB, uh, um, enemy of humanity, bloodthirsty, nuclear bomb threatening Putin, right? Just his eyes just light up. His eyes just light up whenever he thinks about dropping a nuke on America. That is his uh, desire, right? Um, okay, so guys, 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 guys. Ah, here we go. Here's the Gateway Pundit again. Russia threatens direct attacks on Western cities for providing long-range missiles to Ukraine. I did not put this in immersive because I wanted you to see it is the Gateway Pundit, okay? Did Putin actually threaten Western cities for providing long-range missiles to Ukraine? Now, that one is a much more in-depth, elaborate headline than any of the other headlines. Although, I mean, that one about the Pentagon, I mean, did, did the words Pentagon actually come out of his mouth, you know? And, and is Putin even the one that said that? Okay, good question, right? Good question. I think it's a good question, okay? Uh, so this caught my attention. Uh, whenever I read this headline, it, this is what, this is actually what started this uh, entire segment I'm doing right now with all of the uh, shows I just showed you and all of their alarmist, sensationalist headlines. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. You know, um, it, it drives interest to your show. And people are going to want to see, oh, Putin's threatening the Pentagon. Oh, he's threatening World War III with America. Let's click on it and uh, see what they have to say. Didn't watch the shows because I didn't have that much time to go and see what they actually said. Plus, I was not going to dissect these shows. I mean, as disrespectful as some people might think what I just did is, it would be even further disrespectful to actually dissect them word for word. I'm not going to do that, okay? They're not Carrie Cassidy, all right? But um, 
you know, and I, I, I go to the Gateway Pundit guys. I admire the Gateway Pundit. I believe they deserve thousands of awards for the work that they did. And they have done no other type of work. No one else has done work like they have on covering the election fraud and election integrity. Okay. They've been consistent since November 3rd and prior to about covering that topic. No other journal or press has done that. Okay. No one can hold a candle to Gateway Pundit in that regard. So I admire their work, guys, okay? Um, but at the same time, I don't think that that should prohibit me from stating my opinion on what is going on here, okay? But especially when I have especially when I have the receipts to back up my opinion, okay? So anyways, let's just like like I said, you know, when I was going off on that rant a couple of weeks ago on the spiritual hypocrites, you know, if I provide the evidence and the receipts, I mean, you know, at least say thank you or, you know, or, or, or at least tell me off. You know, anyways, I don't know. I don't even want to get to that. OK, so here's what the article says. Uh, for the first time since Russia invaded Ukraine, again, it wasn't an invasion. Amidst billions of taxpayer dollars being sent in supposed aid to the war-torn nation, the Russian leadership is making much more than veiled threat of retaliation. Are they? Are they, though? Where did they get their information from? What is the root article that caused the Gateway Pundit to publish this story? It says here, one of President Putin's closest allies has warned that Moscow could target Western cities if Ukraine uses rocket systems supplied by the United States to carry out strikes on Russian territory. The UK Times reported, okay? So the Gateway Pundit quoted... Um, a sentence from the UK Times, okay? And that is the UK Times interpretation of what a close ally to Putin said. Now, you know what I would have done? And do you want to know what I did do? I went to the root source, okay? So to um, the Gateway Pundit's credit, they did too. Top Putin ally and former president Dmitry Medved, Medvedev delivered the ominous caution. Now, this is what he said. If God forbid these weapons are used against Russian territory, then our armed forces will have no other choice but to strike decision-making centers. That was the phrase, decision-making centers. The uh, caution expanded even more to an actual incitement beyond the usual veiled threats from the communist nation. Wait, 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 gateway pundit. Uh, communism kind of died after the wall fell, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 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 Putin and the Russians, weren't they killed by communists, like by the millions during the Bolshevik revolution and thereafter and under Stalin? Who is their editor? Correct me if I'm wrong, but Russia's not a communist nation anymore, right? Please, someone correct me if I'm wrong. Or maybe someone should correct them, okay? Anyways, um, it says here, of course, it needs to be understood that the final decision-making centers in this case, unfortunately, are not located on the territory of Kiev. Okay, so Kiev is a very specific location in Ukraine. There was no further elaboration, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, what the Gateway Pundit believes is that his statement directly implies that Western capitals supplying the advanced arms could come under attack in response, okay? Western capitals, all right? 
Last week, the U.S. confirmed it would supply. Okay, we already know that. They sent them the missiles. Okay, so there's that. All right. Um, I had to pull this one as well. I had to pull this one as well. Putin and Belarus president urged United Nations Secretary General to institute a new world order. And um, I had to ask the question, and actually I spelled that. Let me correct that real quick. Just so that I'm accurate here. The question is, does the Gateway Pundit understand what's going on in Ukraine? That's my question. Like, do they understand what's going on? I mean, I love them. I admire them. I would work for them if I could. But do they understand what's going on in Ukraine? I mean, and when I saw this article, I I had to use this as an example as well. Okay, just look at what it says. And this is written by Joe Hoft. He's one of the two twins, one of the top honchos over there. Uh, The president of Belarus and Russia's Putin asked United United Nations Secretary General to recognize a new world order where they are given security guarantees to prevent them from invading other countries. Uh, Last week, the president of Belarus, a dictator and supporter of Putin, asked the head of the UN to protect their new world order. Uh, I did not do it. It's all your fault anyway. Leave me alone. That's the vision of a new world order Russian President Vladimir Putin just formally outlined to the United Nations. His closest friend and ally, Alexander Lukashenko, dictator of neighboring Belarus, has handed a letter to UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres detailing his and Putin's rationale for the invasion of Ukraine. Lukashenko repeated Putin's threat that unless security guarantees were forthcoming, the Ukraine war would become protracted with devastating consequences. According to the state-controlled Belarusian news agency Belta, the president urged the secretary general to institute a new world order under which all sovereign states have security guarantees. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you understand that Putin is against the new world order, the globalist vision of one world, one government, one central authority that controls the rest of the world and all of the other nations are stripped of their sovereignty and they are then uh, they are then vassals for the new world order central authority, right? They're no longer they're basically just na- they're member states underneath this world government, okay? If you understand that concept, then you clearly understand that they were mocking the United Nations, because a new world order, one which all states are sovereign and they have security guarantees against attacks on their sovereignty. Do you guys get the joke, right? (laughs) You get the joke. They were mocking them. Clearly they were mocking them. And clearly I can say that because they want security guarantees for sovereign nations which means you cannot come in and impose against our sovereignty. Putin said to the World Economic Forum, this uh, idea of a one world centralized government is uh, not going to happen. And uh, it never did happen, actually, but they wanted it to. Flew right in the face of what the globalists want. Okay, if you understand that, and uh, I know I have a lot of time, guys, but really, really, It doesn't take that much to figure it out, okay? You just got to, like, poke your nose around 
and read certain articles and read statements and 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 listen to uh, you know uh, speeches and and it's all right there laid out for you if you can figure it out. Okay. So, anyways, uh, Gateway Pundit goes on to say Belarus President and Putin ally Alexander Lukashenko allowed Putin to place arms, planes, and soldiers in his country before the invasion of Ukraine. He supports Putin and, along with Putin, believes that Putin was right in invading Ukraine. Uh, does that mean that they're wrong for doing it, Gateway Pundit, is kind of what I wonder. Uh, to date, thousands of people have died in the Ukraine as Russia continues its invasion and destruction of Ukraine's army. Okay, but no mention that it's actually the Ukrainian forces and the Nazis that are killing and destroying Ukraine. It's not Russia, okay? The latest headline was, Russia attacks Kiev and thousands of people die. Well, you know, we were going to address that at the end of the show today, but since I have, I'm running out of time, I'll just tell you now. Russia, yeah, they, they sent missiles into Kiev, right? Even though they already left the city. Because we got Poland, we got America, we got Greece, we got all these NATO nations that are sending them tanks and weapons of war. And uh, the Nazi regime there in Ukraine is hiding it in the city centers so that they can have maximum casualties or they will deter Russia from taking out their weapons altogether. That's what the attack in, in Ukraine and Kiev was about from Russia. Yeah, Russia sent missiles in there, blew up some buildings because they were hiding tanks in there and they were hiding other weapons of war that were given to them by NATO allied nations. And they said, if you send your weapons over here, we will take them out. And that's what they've been doing. So that's what that was all about. Okay. Let's get back to this um, Russia attacking America thing that everyone is like so hot and heavy on. Yeah. The West goes wild from the mainstream media to the alternative independence with headlines that Russia will strike the United States of America. Okay. Russia will strike West, if U.S. rockets hit U.S., says Putin ally. This one is from the Times UK. Man, I am just so pressed for time right now. Okay, let me, uh, because this is, a, this is a big segment, guys. There's a lot of information I have to share with you right now. It says, one of President Putin's closest allies has warned that Moscow could target Western cities if Ukraine uses rocket systems supplied by the United States to carry out strikes on Russian territory. Um, let's see here. It says, uh, this is from uh, Dmitry Med Medvedev. If, God forbid, these weapons are used against Russian territory, then our armed forces will have no other choice but to strike decision-making centers. Of course, it needs to be understood that the final decision-making centers in this case, unfortunately, are not located on the territory of Kiev, um, Med Medvedev said in an interview with Al Jazeera. Officials in Moscow have accused NATO of using the war in Ukraine to wage a proxy war against Russia. That is understood, okay? That is obvious, actually. Medvedev also um, also served as a single term as president from 2008 to 2012, but was widely viewed as Putin's puppet. But once seen as a liberal liberalizing force in Russia, but has transformed in recent months into one of Moscow's biggest hawks. He also warned that the fighting in Ukraine was pushing the world dangerously uh, to nuclear Armageddon, saying the horsemen of the apocalypse are already on their way and all hope now is with Lord God Almighty. So that's where the uh, horsemen of the apocalypse thing comes from, guys. 
Uh, and that, that's the other headline that's running wild right now. Okay. Um, let's see here. Uh, Kremlin-controlled state um, television has said on a number of occasions that Moscow could launch nuclear missiles against Western countries, including Britain, if the war in Ukraine turns against Russia. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the sea report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the sea report and thanks y'all the white house has said that it had agreed to provide ukraine with the guided missiles after receiving uh, assurances from president Zelensky, an actor that we can all trust i'm sure that they would not be used to hit targets inside of russia okay so that was the gateway pundits root article for why they published what they published And of course, you got Putin sitting there saying, these people, how do we deal with these people? Here they go again with more alarmist propaganda. Here they go again with more uh, incitement, right, against Russia. Anyhow, uh, and here's uh, Dmitry Medvedev. Now, Medvedev said it. But what did Medvedev really say about striking the United States? Well, to find out, ladies and gentlemen, I had to go to a Russian newspaper. (laughs) Anyways, okay, this stuff here is really good, but we don't have time to go through all of this. The points that they are making here are just so good, but we have to go straight to what Medvedev said, okay? Because we are pressed for time, and I want to make sure I get all of this out to you guys. Now, it says here... On Thursday, June 2nd, Dmitry Medvedev gave an interview to Qatari TV channel Al Jazeera. During a conversation with reporters, the deputy chairman of the Russian Security Council said that peace awaits if Russia is attacked, uh, that peace awaits if Russia is attacked by weapons from the United States. I don't know how peace awaits. Anyways, maybe they meant peace is put on hold. Um, It says, if these types of weapons are used against Russian territories, the armed forces of our country will have no choice but to act to defeat the decision-making centers, the former Russian president said. Also, the deputy chairman of Russian Security Council said that Kiev's um, unwillingness to negotiate with Moscow could lead to the fact that Ukraine will lose territory and sovereignty. In addition, Medvedev commented on his post in the Telegram channel with the consequences of anti-Russian sanctions for the world. The politicians stress that these are not forecasts, but what has already happened. This can be treated in different ways. It can be considered that the riders of the apocalypse are already on the way and all hope is only in the Lord God Almighty. 
and you can still try to turn this international situation in a calmer direction. So uh, there's your debunk on the Armageddon quote, guys. There's your debunk on that quote. This can be treated in different ways. He didn't say the apocalypse is already here and uh, all hope is lost. He said it can be considered. The writers of the apocalypse already on the way. But what they omitted was this line. And you can still try to turn this international situation in a calmer direction, okay? He didn't say if you bomb the United States of America, the riders of the storm and the apocalypse are here. He didn't say all hope is lost only in God. He did say qualified in context. It can still be turned around. In other words, it's not too late, all right? It's not too late. In the event that Ukraine uses the American uh, HIMARS, multiple launch rocket systems, against Russian facilities, the Russian armed forces will have no choice but to act to defeat the decision-making centers. This statement was made by the deputy chairman of the Security Council of Russia, Dmitry Medvedev. It is quite obvious that this has already been said. If, God forbid, these types of weapons are used against Russian territories, in this case... The armed forces of our country will have no choice but to act to defeat the decision-making centers. Okay, this keeps getting repeated, right? Um, <clears throat> he said that um, Russia's targets will be the Ministry of Defense and the General Staff of Ukraine. Now, those are the decision-making centers. Now, the next statement... But we need to understand that the final decision-making centers in this case, unfortunately, are not even on the territory of Kiev. Okay? Therefore, that this is certainly a threat that will need to be taken into account. Now, last I recalled, Kiev is not Ukraine. Okay? Kiev is the capital of Ukraine. Does that mean that he is going to attack the Pentagon and the United States Capitol and every capital in the world? I mean, okay, first of all, Kiev is a city in a country. A country is a landmass, okay? <laughs> so, we don't even know for a fact that these um, decision-making centers are not located in other places in Ukraine, okay? So that would be my first thing to say, all right? That would be my first thing to say. We don't even know that the decision-making centers are working only in Kiev in Ukraine. But this is being viewed as a threat against the world and America. And, you know, it could be, guys. I'm not saying it isn't. Uh, but we've learned our lessons about sensationalism and alarmism, or I should say at least the West did, because how did the West look when they kept going on and on and on and on and on about Ukraine and, and uh, Putin invading it and what it was going to do and, and how they had to dance around and change their story when all of a sudden uh, Putin wasn't sacking Ukraine I and mean, wasn't sacking Kiev and Putin wasn't destroying every major building and just bloodshed and genocide of every innocent civilian in Ukraine. They had to keep changing their story. It's worked for them so far. Um, <clears throat> so the rest of this article goes on to say what Zelensky had to say about it, blah, 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 blah. What uh, Ukraine TV had to say about it. Uh, and there was that. We got to get to our next story. 
um, which is also on the same same lines. Oh, there's Putin again and his damn uh, um, nuclear weapons. Putin and his damn nuclear weapons. So I thought the best thing to find out would be... Okay, Medvedev said that. Medvedev is a lackey of Putin, according to everyone that doesn't like him anymore because apparently he's on Putin's side. But what did Putin say, okay? Did Putin say anything about this? Uh, Would it not be better to hear from the horse's mouth? I would think that it is better to hear from the horse's mouth, you know, um, than a lackey, right? So uh, let's see here. What did Putin have to say? Uh, This article is from the Epoch Times, okay? Epoch Times says this. Putin warns Russia will strike new targets. Thank you. At least they didn't say the Pentagon, for crying out loud. And they didn't say Washington, D.C. They didn't say nuclear war with America. Putin warns Russia will strike new targets if U.S. gives missiles to Ukraine. Uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin on June 5th warned that Russia would strike new targets if the United States were to supply longer-range missiles to Ukraine. Giving new weapons to Kiev only aims to drag out the armed conflict for as long as possible, Putin told state-run media, adding that after longer-range missiles are sent to Ukraine, Moscow will draw the appropriate conclusions and strike facilities it has not targeted. Never anywhere did I hear about there was going to be war with America. Did you guys hear that? What would cause even the independents and the alternatives to run away with a headline like that? Is it because it's sensational and it will draw an audience? Or is it because they don't understand at all and they're just trying to tell a story? I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, I can't even make assumptions about why they would run away. Why my brothers and sisters in, uh, in, in the informational combat would run away with a sensational headline like that. I mean, at least the Epoch Times used the discretion of new targets, okay? And they didn't run away with, uh, Putin's gonna kill the world and he's gonna drop nuclear bombs on everybody because, uh, Biden sent, you know, missiles over there. Is it because, like, uh, because we're all against Biden, right? And we really wanna, we really wanna focus on his, his failures and his mistakes, so, so by, by um, running away with a headline like nuclear World War III to America, so saith Putin because of Biden, that really does highlight, you know, a failure of Biden. Biden sent him missiles and now we're going to have nuclear war. So if that's the angle, right, if the angle of that show or report is to be, let's blame nuclear war on Biden because of, I, I mean, I guess I get it, you know. Or maybe they don't want to be left behind. Like everyone else is talking about Russia. I will too. I cannot remember the name of that guy. Uh, Lee, Lee Stranahan. Lee Stranahan. Okay. That's the name of the guy. Very, very knows a lot about Ukraine. He had Santilli like way over his head. But Santilli said he knew everything in great detail that Lee Stranahan was talking about before Lee Stranahan talked about it. Right. I believe that. Okay. Anyways, World War Three with America, nuclear bombs threatened by Putin. So saith P.S. Anyways, so let's let's finish. Let's uh, carry on with this article. Okay. So Putin said that they will draw appropriate conclusions. 
um, and strike facilities that it has not targeted, right? Sounds like America to me, doesn't it? If they are supplied, we will draw appropriate conclusions from this and use our own weapons, of which we have enough, in order to strike at those facilities we are not targeting yet. Oh, it must be the Pentagon! The Russian president also said in response to statements issued by the White House about supplying multiple launch rocket systems to Ukraine, according to a translation. Okay, and then the rest of the article goes on to talk about what Biden did. So we can skip on that. We're not done yet, guys. It gets better. It gets better. So we're going to skip all of the alternative and independence, right? Here at the C-Report, I got to go to a root source. Okay, I cannot rely on the independence for international news coverage because they will have me believing that uh, everyone who is on the side of the New World Order is our friend, okay? And the people who are fighting the globalists are our enemies, like Russia. And, uh, I don't know, probably even Brazil, if, you know, uh, never mind. I just, I, I try not to do these things, guys. Putin says this. Russia will draw conclusions if, okay, again, now we, okay, at least, where is this from? Okay, this is from a Russian, a Russian news source. Russia will draw conclusions if long-range missiles are transferred to Kiev. Now, guys, this gets even deeper. It gets even richer. It's so rich, guys. Like, it's, like, practically, like, I don't know, 100% German chocolate, right? Like, it's rich. So, first of all, Putin didn't say he was going to attack America or anyone else outside of his country or outside of the conflict, right? Didn't say that, okay? It gets so much richer than this, guys. I mean, all you have to do is just check some other sources, like maybe check like non-Western-backed news agencies. Because the long and short of this article, guys, is this. Putin's not even concerned with those long-range missile systems that Biden sent him. <laughs> check it out. Check. He's like, they don't even do anything. <laughs> okay, so that's what Putin said. Uh, it goes like this. Russia will draw conclusions and strike at those objects that it does not yet touch if Kiev is transferred longer range missiles, said Russian President Vladimir Putin. A fragment of the interview that the head of state gave to Pavel Zarubin for the program Moscow Kremlin Putin, shown on the air um, of the TV, Russia, TV channel Russia One in the program Vesti Nedeli. Uh, missiles are not needed then, yes. Yes, but if they are supplied, we will draw the appropriate conclusions from this and use our weapons, which we have enough, to strike at those objects that we have not yet inflicted, he said. So the head of state commented on the situation with the supply of American multiple launch rocket systems to Ukraine and responded to the journalist's remarks that long-range missiles can be launched from such systems. At the same time, Putin stressed that so far... The transfer of such weapons to Kiev does not change anything. Wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? Biden just transferred long-range weapon systems to Kiev. And everyone's panties are, like, twisted tightly in the tightest wedgie, right? The Pentagon, World War III, nuclear wars coming. Okay, Escalation of war, right? All the headlines read. The United States could be escalating war with Ukraine. I mean, with Russia. Because they're sending these weapons. Okay. The same weapons that Biden just transferred 
that Zelensky just said, we promise we're not going to use it on Russian territory. Putin just stressed what? That the transfer of these weapons so far changed nothing? What does that mean? Putin says, there is nothing new here. <laughs> oh, oh, it's so good for you to be able to be so cavalier, Putin. All of us over here in the West are sweating bullets. Even the patriots are sweating bullets. Look, look at me right now. My brow is just so shiny. So Putin says, there is nothing new here. The head of state said, responding to a request to assess the decision to assess the decision of such supplies. These are the multiple launch rocket systems because the Ukrainian army is armed with similar systems of Soviet Russian production, Grad, Smirch, Uragan. Putin drew attention to the fact that the range does not depend on the system itself but on the missiles that are used. What we hear today and what we understand are missiles that are flying 45 to 70 kilometers, depending on the type of missiles. It was the same with those grads, hurricanes, tornadoes that I mentioned. There is also a range of 40 to 70 kilometers. There is nothing new here, he explained. Therefore, according to the president of the Russian Federation, such supplies from the United States and some other countries can be associated simply with the replenishment of Kiev's losses of military equipment. Be careful, America. World War Three is coming because of what Putin, I mean, what Biden just did. He sent long-range missile systems rockets to Ukraine. Now, how does that make you guys feel, right? How does that make you feel, right? <laughs> I swear, guys. I swear. Anyhow. Um, purposes of supply. The whole fuss around additional armed supplies to Kiev has only one goal. To prolong the armed conflict in Ukraine as far as possible, the Russian president said, is sure. In general, all of this fuss around additional armed supplies, in my opinion, has only one goal. To prolong the armed conflict as far as possible, the Russian president stated, commenting on the situation with the supply of American multiple launch rocket systems to Kiev. On Wednesday, the U.S. authorities announced the allocation of new package of military assistance to Ukraine, which includes the supply of HIMARS, MLRS, and ammunition for them. Okay, so we already know about that. Okay, so we don't, we don't really need to get through this. It says, in the first batch, there will be four MLRs. Earlier, the U.S. administration reported that the range of missiles for the HIMARS lightweight MLRs complex transferred to Kiev, mounted on a wheeled chassis, will not exceed 80 kilometers. So it is nothing new. The administration noted that Ukraine has provided in the United States with assurances not to use American MLRs uh, against targets in Russia. Uh, the official representative of the Russian Foreign Ministry, Maria Zakharova, said on Thursday that Kiev's assurances about the non-use of U.S. MLRS against targets on the territory of Russia are worthless and can be cannot be trusted. Now, that's what I think, right? I think that um, they can't be trusted. You know, you can't trust Zelensky. You can't trust a Nazi, right? Why would you trust them? So, um... That, that, that statement by Zarkova is true. And under that content, context, and under the context of what Medvedev said, 
You could say, oh, he's going to start World War III with America, right? Ooh, they just tried to knock me out. Anyways, that you could try and start World War III with America because of what Biden did. Putin's like, uh, it's to replenish them and, you know, they're not going to be doing anything more than they have been doing before. The big concern here is this that Zelensky's forces are going to use those rocket systems to launch into Russia and strike on Russian targets. But as it turns out, lady, oh, hey, it's Lavrov. What's up, Lavrov? Our buddy Lavrov here. As it turns out, Russia already has a plan for this. Okay, Russia already has a plan for this. Like, uh, can someone get me a bubble I can pop? Boop, we just popped. We just, did we just debunk something here? We might have just debunked something here. And I hate to say it, but it was even on, um, it was even on the internet, uh, inter- ugh, the independent and alternative presses, guys. I just debunked their headlines too. I just debunked the head, Never mind. Okay. So Lavrov has, uh, he has plans for this, guys. R- Russia already has a plan against these long range missile systems. There's no concern. If they have a plan against long range missile systems, Do you think there's going to be nuclear war? Who started this sensationalism? This is what they're going to do, guys. It's plain and simple. Moscow is going to move their threat further away if long-range weapons are supplied to Kiev. So saith our friend Lavrov. So let's see what Lavrov has to say. Um, It says this. Uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin has already commented on the situation that will emerge with the arrival of new armaments. And I can only add that the longer the range of armaments that you will supply, the further away we will move from our territory, the line, beyond which neo-Nazis can threaten the Russian Federation. So Lavrov's like, well, if you're going to bring in uh, 70, 70 mile range missiles, we're going to move into, into Ukraine 80 miles. (laughs) That way there's 10 miles difference, right? Okay, so, um, well, I mean, do I need to say anything more about that guy? (laughs) Do I need to say anything more about that? It is wrong to make the situation boil down to the formula. Had there been no special operation, there would be no weapon supplies, which is a simplification, the Russian foreign minister stressed. The point is that we had been warning Great Britain, the United States and other NATO members for 20 years. Dear friends, you signed the commitment in 1999 that no state will strengthen its security at the expense of other states security. And so why can't you do that? Why did it turn out to be a lie? And instead you say, get away from us. We admit whom we want. And you have expanded five times closer to our borders, Russia's top diplomat pointed out. The U.S. administration announced on June 1st that it would provide a new military aid package. And we already know this, okay? They will not exceed 80 kilometers. And just to make sure that if uh, Kiev and Zelensky and the Nazis lie about their promise not to strike Russian territory, they're going to move a hundred kilometers within the borders of Ukraine. That's how they're going to deal with it, guys. You know, it sounds like to me that they are very concerned with limited bloodshed and loss of life, which kind of reminds me of Trump. And even though going into Ukraine for this special military operation, there has been a lot of loss of life most of which comes at the hands of the Nazis in Ukraine and the Ukrainians themselves. 
they still don't want loss of life. You know, I mean, I don't know how else to put it, guys. I don't know how else to put it. Um, I think that does that. I think I'm done. <laughs> I think I'm done, guys. I think I'm done. Um, if today's episode was a little bit disjointed, it's because there was a lot more information, but um, it can be saved for another time. There is, um, there is a, one story specifically I have been wanting to tell in possible preparation for something, um, but maybe we'll get to it next time. Maybe we will get to it next time. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the C-Report. I hope you enjoyed the information I had to share with you. Yes, Putin did send... Putin... Biden did send long-range missiles, right? A possible escalation of war. But um, it seems to me like the uh, Russians are cool as cucumbers, guys. They're not worried about it. They're not worried about it. So uh, neither should we be. I don't think the Pentagon... The Capitol or any other building in America needs to be concerned about Russia bombing us. So we should be good, guys. It was great for a day of clickbait, though. I'm sure it was. And uh, I really don't even want to know what they had to say because I don't know. I would probably just lose the rest of the hair on my head, guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a great time hanging out with you guys. Uh, sorry I only give you two hours. We're actually right under two hours. I got to get myself ready to hang out with the bartender. The good old bartender over at the Speak Uneasy's Lounge uh, will be doing another episode of This Is News, right? This is news. Anyways, all right, guys, I got to skedaddle. It's been a pleasure with you guys tonight. We'll be back again tomorrow, of course. And Slug Trail, hey, Slug Trail, what's going on? Hey, Ben Q. Lurkin, how you doing? Um, yeah, but real quick, Ben Q. Lurkin says, it's time for the USA to denazify. Oh, that's a humdinger right there, right? Uh, you see, the thing about it is I'm pretty sure Trump was trying to do it in a way that would bring the least amount of life lost. I'm sure you would agree. And uh, Slug Trail says, if Putin just attacks the deep state, then bring it. I agree with that too. But um, we have to get rid of something called the uh, lamestream, shamestream, mockingbird, propaganda, fake news, um, legacy media. Because um, take out the deep state in America by all means, but with them still around, you can just imagine what kind of an ordeal that is going to turn into with the propaganda and the lie spinning and the smearing and etc. Okay, guys, I got to run. Hey, uh, head on over to the Speak Uneasy's channel if you're over at the Foxhole or at Pill.net. We'll be on the air live in approximately uh, 34 minutes. And counting down, uh, you can also see his uh, show on Twitch, I believe, as well as maybe Facebook and Twitter. And also on Mr. CTV Rumble channel, we also do a live broadcast of the show there as well. All right, guys, until next time, you guys have a great night. Uh, we'll see you again very soon. And as always, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We'll see you next time. <laughs>